my first day in court I wish to report Then witness a story so true Oh, and as they closed its case A young man raised his face And began all the facts to review Oh, they call it that old mountain dew And those who refuse it are few Well, I know I've done wrong The temptation is strong When they call for that mountain dew My granny once told me about her dad's bedtime moonshine recipe. A little bit of moonshine and some Coca-Cola right before bedtime. You know, Don't have a good night's sleep. sleep. <laughs> yes, I don't know. That's, yeah. I mean, I, I, wouldn't, I don't know how that would help you, but you know, maybe it did. Caffeine and liquor before yeah. bed. Sounds um, good. I mean, it, that's the way I, you know, every, whenever I was told that, I was like, and and what didn't Mountain Dew? That was kind of the way that, or that's yeah, like, the reason I was created. Yeah, well they they do around here. They drink spring water, which is sort mm-hmm. of Mountain Dew, mm-hmm. but spring water is um, I think it's Sun Drop. Oh, and then they mix it with. Or, Episode 7, History Makes for Hallowed Ground. That highly caffeinated, artificially yellow, sugary sweet beverage that you chug when you need an energy boost was never intended to be a soft drink. In fact, it has ties to hard alcohol. Named after moonshine and developed as a mixer, the soft drink has had an interesting past. From its creation in 1932 to a top-selling Pepsi product, here's the history of Mountain Dew. Mountain Dew used to be slang for moonshine. We see references to the nickname Mountain Dew used to indicate alcohol as far back as the 1880s. An Irish folk ditty from 1882 includes lyrics that say, of the rare poteen from Ireland green, distilled from wheat and rye, it goes on to say, so take off your coat and grease your throat with a bucket of Mountain Dew. During Prohibition, Appalachian moonshiners used the term Mountain Dew so that law enforcement wouldn't catch on. Article in History Daily, published July 5th, 2019 by Karen Harris. I'm actually a diehard Sundrop fan, so we won't be discussing the caffeinated version of Mountain Dew. We will be discussing its original nickname for the beverage. We will take a deep dive into the science of the original Dew. Moonshine, that is. More specifically, the hardships of distilling and an interesting ghost story. One close to home, literally, possibly 20 miles from Slim's location, now sits a moonshine distillery. We will be hearing from Billy Kaufman, owner of Short Mountain Distillery, located in Counting County, Tennessee, which is a neighboring county to Warren. I originally set out for this interview to offer some educational context to a main character in this podcast, Moonshine. To better understand the industry, Slim had to be engulfed in it. I figured it would be beneficial to understand the process of moonshining. That was my original intention for this episode. But once I sat down with Billy at the distillery, I got so much more out of it. 
So last episode, we discussed the Al Capone folklore sprinkled up and down the Dixie Highway. Well, in this interview, I unintentionally uncovered another one of those stories. Short Mountain Distillery is located on Short Mountain Road, a road I'm very familiar with. I drive it every time I go to band practice. But as I drove it for my interview, it seemed different. The distillery sits right in the middle of nature, nestled right at the foot of Short Mountain. The view from the parking lot is breathtaking. But even with all the beauty, there's so much dark history literally growing from these mountains. I parked my car near the distillery's restaurant and proceeded to the building that houses all the stills. It was at the end of the day, so they were beginning to close up shop. It's almost dark. I knock and open the door. Billy is in the office, rocking a handlebar mustache and suspenders, essential clothing for all moonshiners. But I don't waste any time. I tell him the story of Slim. Trying to get liver cancer at 34. I know. You know, there are many stories from this area that are very similar to yours. So people back then, they called it Shotgun County. You know, until recently, Cannon County, you know, this area, rural areas in Tennessee were, were shotgun counties. And that just means when people had a, usually it was over money. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> when people had a disagreement of an illegal nature over money or just like a land dispute and, you know, they were sufficiently rural, mm-hmm. they would just... One man would kill the other and solve it that way. And it was sort of just sort of that was understood. People, that was part of the culture back then. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's still part of the culture and, you know, people just kind of repress it. But I don't think it is anymore. People killed each other back then. Yeah. A lot more. You can get away with things. There was no fingerprinting or DNA, you know, kill someone, you could dispose of the body or just deny it and Mm. not a lot of people could do about it or blame it on liver cancer i don't know you got to tell me how that happened (laughs) how do you kill someone and then blame you think he was poisoned or something as you the listeners know that he was shot as the story goes oh so it was a inside job yeah you know the cops were involved well that was that was common too yeah Naturally, we get into the laws that Billy was up against when he first started his legitimate moonshining business. Some of those laws have existed ever since Prohibition. Well, I mean, the law post-Prohibition, where? You know, because what happened in Tennessee was that some counties opted out and some stayed in. So some were wet counties and some were dry counties. So every county had a different law. And there's different uh, degrees of uh, wetness. So you can have manufacturing, but no bars, no liquor by the drink, they call Mm -hmm. it. Um, That's what, you know, like in uh, Lynchburg, you know, they had that, you know, a a distillery, but no, no drinking. And then uh, most places have, 
drinking, but no distilleries and liquor stores. They, they, that's retail, package stores. And, uh, but Cannon County, the one we're in right now, after Prohibition, it was the same as Prohibition. There was, I mean, you could drink it here if you bought it outside of the county, but you couldn't buy it in the county or make it or do an, you know, sell it. On December 5th, 1933, Prohibition was repealed. Tennessee left it up to the counties to vote on their decision. Billy believes this put Prohibition counties at a disadvantage. Well, they didn't. And I think, I mean, it's my personal opinion that the counties that opted out were being uh, taken advantage of by the ones that stayed in or, you know, that that got back in. Mm-hmm. So some counties, you know, Davidson became a hotbed for tourism and, uh, you know, hotels and nightlife and, uh, you know, many other Places did Gatlinburg, you know, mm-hmm. places that wanted to have uh, visitors understood that alcohol was necessary. And a lot of the sleepier towns, um, you know, for whatever reason, um, their interpretation of biblical law uh, decided to be dry counties, which only benefited the counties around them. Mm-hmm. So people still consumed alcohol, but they did in other counties. All that tax money went to the counties that stayed in. Yeah. And they were sort of enabled to stay out. During our interview, I get up to use the restroom and noticed a sign Billy had saved from his struggles early on in Canning County to operate his legal distillery. Oh, in the bathroom? Yeah. yeah. I, th- yeah. I thought that was uh, yeah. uh, pretty so neat having it. Vote no yeah. on distillery. Yeah. 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 I looked all through the Bible. I was like, Hey, I don't want to like tread on anyone's religion. Nowhere in the Bible does it say you shouldn't make alcohol or shouldn't drink or do anything like that. Nowhere in the yeah. Bible it says that. It does have some pretty clear language about alcohol abuse. Mm-hmm. I mean, who believes in alcohol abuse? But but the Bible doesn't say don't drink. In fact, some places in the Bible it says give someone a drink. This podcast is an investigation of Slim's death, not a discussion of biblical law, but to keep us all following along, let's reference some of the Bible verses mentioned. Go eat your bread with joy and drink your wine with a merry heart, for God has already approved what you do, Ecclesiastes 9.7. You cause the grass to grow for the livestock and plants for man to cultivate that he may bring forth food from the earth and wine to gladden the heart of man, oil to make his face shine and bread to strengthen man's heart. Psalm 104, 14 through 15. And spend the money for whatever you desire, oxen or sheep or wine or strong drink, whatever your appetite craves, and you shall eat there before the Lord your God and rejoice, you and your household. Deuteronomy fourteen twenty six. Well, it was illegal in this county to start a distillery, so I had to have a referendum and uh, get people to vote on whether or not to have a a distillery in this county. So first there was a petition. It's not easy getting that many signatures. I can't remember how many got, like 800 in a county, 800 registered voters 
in a county of a population of 15,000. That's a, that's a lot of people, you know? Yeah. So a lot of people signed this petition and uh, put it on the ballot, and then they voted on it, voted yeah. for it. So uh, the hard part was just sort of uh, doing that legwork, doing that doing that legwork, and then uh, the uh, the part after that was you know getting the money and building it. And, mm-hmm. You know, you know that that was a lot of pain too. You know, just getting it to work. I mean, I'm here like almost ten years into it, and I still feel like just kind of figuring it out. Yeah. Well, I, I know from the outside looking in, it definitely looks like you got it figured out. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the grass is always greener. <laughs> no, <no>. Yeah. <laughs> Billy has spent over 10 years working at this, so my curiosity gets the best of me. I go ahead and ask Billy a dawning question. Has he ever worked outside the law? Not significantly. I mean, I I just... Work outside the law? (laughs) Well... No, I play outside the law sometimes. (laughs) But I don't work outside the law. I I was just... I don't know. that That was a dumb question. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna have to kill you now. <laughs> well, my wife will eventually come looking for me sometime. Uh, I don't okay. know. Yeah, no, she might. I don't know. But <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, um, I, I've never worked outside the law. So when I started this distillery, um, I wanted to because I was a lot of these old farmers I was uh, farming with. They were mo- illegal moonshiners. Ricky Estes, Ronald Lawson, Jimmy Simpson, and uh, they were known illegal moonshiners. And I got them to work at the distillery when we first opened. So we were making all the authentic mm-hmm. moonshines. And uh, but before that, before the distillery, my plan was just to put in an illegal moonshine still with Ronald mm-hmm. but I never really did that because mm-hmm. I, I got too scared yeah and the laws started changing so I had a pathway to being legal yeah but you know if I knew how hard how, how much harder it would be being mm-hmm. legal than illegal I probably would have remained illegal yeah <laughs> and just had yeah. a better life yeah more time and relaxation less headache but less, that's another yeah. fantasy world. That's you know, plus taxes to pay out of it. Yeah, it, it must be so nice. Yeah, and like you know, you can stand by your work or not. <laughs> Have you ever been curious about what it would be like to make your own moonshine? Well, here's the Cliff Notes version. To make liquor, you take uh, grains or uh, some something with sugar, and uh, you, you grind it and make it into a mash, usually cook it, liquefy it. Um, so picture like something like porridge or something like that, maybe a little more watery. Um, moonshiners really like to use a lot of sugar because it's easy to transport. And then you add, uh, you, you heat that up, but not so hot that you're going to kill your yeast. So like 80-ish, 
you know, in the 80s is a good temperature. I sort of tell people uh, yeast is like a little baby. So if it's too hot for a baby, it's too hot for yeast. Just kidding. We can't be giving all the secrets away. If you want to learn more about the process of making moonshine, you'll have to check out the tours at Short Mountain Distillery. You'd be shocked. I mean, in this area, almost everyone, you know, whose country needs to be a moonshiner. I mean, everyone. Pretty common. Yeah. And people who move out here, one of the first things they want to do is make some moonshine on their property, you know. Common. You can buy stills online. But they're easy to make. Yeah. If you want to make a still, all you have to do is understand how a still works. But if you understand how a still works, you can make a still out of anything. And they did. It's strange to watch how the threads of this investigation are weaving together as I learn about the history of the hallowed ground this distillery was built upon. There's so much history in this area that you may know a history, but there is another history and another history and another history, and they all overlap. Yeah. So I did not. I thought I knew some history, but I didn't know the Al Capone history. Yeah. And uh, so... Uh, yeah, but this farm used to be owned by Cooper Melton, who was a moonshiner for Al Capone. Cooper Melton? Now, this may be an important character to our story, especially with his ties to Al Capone. Pay close attention. And Cooper Melton used to be the apprentice of J.R. Motley, who was a legal distillery owner in Mechanicsville. And he had a pretty rockin' distillery they they were legal mm -hmm. and they made stuff in jugs and uh you know with their name painted on the jug mm -hmm. and stuff and i don't know exactly what the story is but he was murdered before mm -hmm. prohibition oh wow and then when prohibition hit cooper melton took his equipment mm -hmm. because jr motley was married to cooper's sister so she became the owner of this equipment. Mm -hmm. And then he, when Prohibition came, rather than like wrapping it or mm -hmm. whatever they were supposed to do, he illegally brought it to this farm and started the own moonshine operation with wow. legal equipment, which is why he was so successful. He had these mm -hmm. giant stills. His still was twice as big as the one we have today. Mm -hmm. At least the still was twice as big. And I've even heard that he had many, many stills. So he had lots of stills. He probably had lots of moonshiners that made for him, but Cooper was the uh, one of the main guys in this area. And I think what he did was, he was like a, a pickup point. Yeah, uh, a pickup point for moonshine runners like Slim, less than 20 miles from his house or the other moonshiner. So Cooper had 500 gallons still, and he was making hundreds and hundreds of gallons of alcohol. Um, other moonshiners who had, you know, 
50 gallons still could bring their alcohol over here and just maybe sell it to him or blend mm. it in or I don't know what the arrangement yeah. was. Mm. But they were just making commodities. You know, all the moonshiners around here made the same recipe. They weren't innovative. They were making a 70% sugar, 30% corn, sour mash moonshine. And that was the standard liquor. But you can take that. Let's say it went back to Chicago. They could put it in a barrel and age it into a whiskey. Something that tasted like whiskey. Or yeah. they could add stuff to it and turn it into gin. Or just drink it like a a vodka or do some, you know, flavor yeah. it somehow. Mm. So you can turn clear moonshine into many, many things. So, so as long as it's high proof, and, you know, get people mm. drunk, that's a good place to start. That is a good place to start. Moonshine could do more than just get you drunk. It could also get you rich, very rich, but not everyone caught on. Not even a local government at the time. Prohibition was an attempt to reduce taxes related to crime, but what it really did was create an economic opportunity for crime. This they would eventually figure out. Until they did, however, Prohibition gave room for characters like Capone, who was in such a high demand he had to seek out other ways to supply his customers Ways that could have led him to slim. It's because of those laws. So, like, if Tennessee went into Prohibition same time as everybody else and came out the same time as everybody else, Moonshine wouldn't be as entrenched as it is. Mm -hmm. But Tennessee went into Prohibition early. So there were Moonshiners in Tennessee before anywhere else. Mm -hmm. And then it came out very, very late. So basically, moonshiners were trained in Tennessee, there being remote locations and lots of water, there was like a natural environment for them to exist. And then when characters like Al Capone needed alcohol, he knew he could go to Tennessee because they were already making illegal alcohol because they were already in prohibition. You know, but it was such a remote area, no one was really going there or thinking about it. You know, this was like another country, mm -hmm. you know, very difficult to get to here. And, uh, but Capone did, he came. Let's just put it this way. Mont Eagle was a potential stop for Capone on the Dixie Highway. Cooper Melton is known to be one of the best moonshiners in Tennessee perhaps in the entire United States. Slim could have been the middleman between the two. And just like Slim, Cooper's fate ended very similar. We get all sorts of ghost hunters here. We're supposed to be haunted by the ghost of Cooper Melton's last fling. He had this, this affair with Felicia Patterson and her husband, Big John Patterson, found out about it, shot Cooper Melton. Then he chopped up his own wife, Felicia, with an axe. And, uh, and so we're supposed to be haunted 
He did that all in front of the children. So there's great court records of this horrible act. We're supposed to be haunted by that woman, Felicia. Or, uh, uh, yeah, Felicia. We used to call her Abigail. Um, and all my employees see ghosts and stuff. I've even, like, had some weird stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. But, uh... Hey, let me... T- you want to hear my ghost... My, my ghost encounter? This was just, like... When was that snow that hit us? Like, a week a ago? weeks ago, yeah. Just recent. Mm-hmm. So, I got a call from the uh, alarm company that the motion detector is going off in the restaurant. And I figured it was probably like a rat or something came in in winter, you know, when it's cold. Yeah. So uh, I just like was going to go back to sleep. But, but, you know, sometimes they'll chew through the boards and, you Mm. know, they'll chew into stuff. And uh, I was a little worried about that had a problem with that before and like water spilling and stuff so i have this camera in there i can look through it i was like hello is anyone in there hello and i could hear like some sound like like a chewing sound so i thought it was a rat i was like thought maybe if i talked it would like get spooked and like Mm -hmm. leave or something and uh like hello is anyone there is anyone there and then sure enough something said yeah Freak the, freak me to all hell. I think I, th- I got my clothes on, and I came over here mm. at three o'clock in the morning with my dog, and went into that restaurant with the police on their way. And I was like, I heard someone in here, and we looked around for you know however long, like The Shining, it was falling, just terrifying. But that's my ghost story. Every town has a ghost story, a history, and that's why it's so important to invest in your community. Who knows what you might uncover when you do? For my hometown, moonshine seems to be built into our DNA. And even if you're not up for a tasting, Short Mountain's ghost stories and tours are more than entertaining. We are going to have an amazing year. We've got a craft fair on Mother's Day, Father's Day. Uh, We'll do fireworks on the 4th. Of course, we're going to do the Short Mountain Haunted Woods. Mm -hmm. And we're going to do it different this year. It's going to be more like a hayride. But there's always something going on. We always have tours, cocktail classes every weekend, um, live music. It's a fun place. So come and visit us and... We've got amazing things happening here. Take a minute to listen to a word from our sponsors. Need a little humor with your murder? Who doesn't, right? Join us, Dustin, Rex, and Josh on Evil Transgression. Evil Transgression is a true crime comedy podcast that covers lesser-known cases that haven't been talked about a million times over. From the most dangerous inmate to the worst friends. And even death by firing squad. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbeam, and all of your favorite podcasting platforms. Now back to the Moonshine Murder and Mayhem Podcast. 
I ain't afraid of no ghost, but I do believe some of them might be directing the steps of this investigation for good or bad. Capone, Cooper Melton, the sheriff, or Slim. Thank you for listening to the Moonshine Murder and Mayhem Podcast. If you have any information, please contact us at moonshinemurderandmayhem at gmail.com or message us on the Facebook group.